Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the First and Moose NFL podcast presented by U92 The Moose, the student radio station of West Virginia University. I'm your host, as always, Patrick McCabe, along with my co-host, Manny Margiege. Manny, week five has passed us. Actually, we have the last month, we have the Monday night game going on right now between the Raiders and the Chiefs. No score in that one. I think it's just about to kick off. But week five has come and gone. You get your first start with Kenny Pickett, which I'm sure you're going to have a good opinion on as well. We got a lot of games this weekend that were quite interesting, especially for my case with the Eagles, a little bit too close for comfort, in my opinion. Uh, but let's quickly jump in uh, to the Steelers. Uh, is there any positives you can take away from a game like that? I, I, I don't see any positive out of that Steelers-Bills game. Uh, the only one was, uh, I think Kenny Pickett is the guy pretty much going on. He was the only one that seemed like, uh, that the game mattered to yesterday. If I'm being honest, like he was the only one that seemed like was trying last, uh, or yesterday. Um, he just kept going in there, kept doing his best. He played pretty, pretty decently. Obviously we didn't score any touchdowns. He threw for almost 350 yards, uh, and albeit like it's not the same, obviously, from the start of that game till like the fourth quarter, right? Uh, the intensity is not the same, obviously, with the score, but he still played with the same intensity. Um, and I like that. I like that he still it still mattered to him at the end because we did have some injuries and uh, it just wasn't going for us offensively. We got to the red zone at least. I guess that's another positive I could take away from it. Uh, we made some drives. Like some drives, we kind of completed them at least. We got into the red zone uh, as many times as we've had in the first three weeks with Mitch. Uh, we hardly ever got into the red zone, but this time we got in there a bit more. So that was good to see. But yeah, other than, other than that, not really the defensively. Just from start to finish, that game was just, you got like a little bit of hope sometimes, and then it just all came crashing down. Uh, obviously starting the game as it did, not going to help. And then other than that, that was as close as we got. And then other than that, Josh Allen started clicking and we couldn't do anything to respond. So a few positives, uh, but uh, yeah, just what else can you say after that, a game like that? I mean, it's tough. You're sitting at one and four right now. I don't know if you see this as a positive or a negative, but you're currently number, you have the number one overall pick in next year's draft. For you, obviously, it's still it's still so earlier in the season. You know, who knows what could happen come week 18 or week 17. For you right now, would you trade that number one overall pick or would you keep it and draft someone like a Will Anderson or a Jalen Carter? I don't know how much you are into draft rankings and, you know, draft predicting. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a good question. It's uh it's uncharted territory for for me as a fan and for the Steelers. I don't think they've had the number one pick since I think they drafted Terry Bradshaw. Um, but other than that, it's been a long time and I don't know if I was a GM and if I had to choose between that, I probably it obviously depends on the offers, right? If I would love to stay in the first round and see if I could get a couple picks for that draft pick, not just switch if I'm just going to keep one draft pick in the first round, I'm probably going to keep the first overall pick and get a get a stud guy at that pick. But if I could get two late rounders, maybe one in the middle and then one at the end, I would probably lean towards that just because I like getting more volume um, for 
the deal that uh, a possible team could offer. But if it's just switching one and one, I'm probably keeping the first overall pick and getting a guy like Jalen Carter with uh, Cam Hayward getting up there in age. And just other than Cam Hayward, other interior linemen aren't really doing it um, for us this year. Other than him, we lost Stefan to it and it's not really been the same. So getting another guy in there like Jalen Carter would be would be huge for us, I think. So you're currently tied, actually, for the number one overall pick with Carolina, Detroit, and Washington. Uh, Vegas could become the fifth team with that if they lose tonight against the Chiefs, which I think we'll probably see a uh, Chiefs win in that one. But it is interesting. Uh, currently, one the interesting for me, and we'll get into that, is the Eagles hold the Saints pick, and they're currently number nine Uh in the draft order, which is insane considering that could even go, you know, farther up the order. If the saints continue to plummet, like I think a lot of people around the NFL believe them to be right now. Um, from looking at it, Texans have two picks would have two picks in the top 10 at six and eight. Uh, the Seahawks, I think are going to have Seahawks would have, I think just one pick, if I'm not mistaken. No, they would have two. So the Texans and the Seattle would have two picks uh, within the top 12 of the draft. Would you dra- Would you trade back if you were able to get either of those teams two first-round picks? Oh, yeah. If I could get two picks in the first 12, that would be, that would be huge for this Steelers team. That, again, I think they're not just one guy away, really. Realistically, it's going to need a couple guys. Uh, I guess you could still buff up that offensive line. I really like their improvement from last year to this year. Pass, I guess, in terms of pass protection. Uh, Mitch or Kenny haven't really been sacked a lot, but that run that run game for the offensive line is still really not there. Pass protection is fine. Uh, I'm satisfied with that, but the run blocking actually moving the other defensive line uh, somewhere other than into our backfield has not happened. So you could look for there, but I think defensively along both defensive line and offensive line would be, a, I think the most favorite for not just myself, but a bunch of Steelers fans to go. So at the current moment, you're predicted to draft Will Anderson, the uh, edge rusher from Alabama. Uh, would you, if you had, if you're there and you can take Will Anderson, do you take him? If, um, if it's the first pick, probably, I'd probably go with Jalen Carter just cause I think Alex Highsmith is, he's not terrible. He's probably, I think second or third in the league in sacks right now. He's got like five and a half or six. I'm not really sure, but I think Jalen Carter getting somebody on the interior, uh, it would be huge for us. So I would, if I had to choose between the two, I'd probably go Jalen Carter still. Granted, the first offensive lineman goes off the board at number thirteen to the Cardinals, Paris Johnson Jr. and outside tackle. You could trade back to the Seahawks picks. They're currently at ten and eleven, and you'd be in a bit better position to potentially reach a little bit, not really reach for Paris Johnson. Uh, and the next one's not until sixteen. And then in the twenties as well. So you'd be waiting. You could. That's an interesting one that will, you know, depending on how the season for the re- for the rest of the season how that goes for you guys could be potentially interesting to see how that works out. But you you touched on it. The Steelers' rushing issues are paramount at this point. 
Uh, Najee Harris, who is thought to be the running back of the future for the Steelers, I still think he is. But 11 rushes and only 20 yards is it's it's cause it's a major concern at this point. I think it's just beyond, you know, a one game fluke. This has been a, you know, five games this season and, you know, however many last year that he just either he's not getting he's not in the right scheme schematic fit for him or he isn't living up to the potential that we expected him to. Yeah, um, I think it's. I have to think it's more schematic. Uh, it's only really his second year, and I think he – I don't think he looks healthy to me, honestly. Uh, he's been – he was dealing with that foot injury in the preseason. He barely played in the preseason, and uh, I think it's just carried over. I think he tweaked it a little bit before the start of the season and a little bit in the in that first game, that overtime game against the Bengals. He got rolled up on. I think he just doesn't look really healthy. That burst really isn't there. Um, but obviously schematically as well. I'm not a fan of our offensive scheme, play calling, everything like that. Uh, that's a whole other question. But, yeah, I haven't been a fan of that really, but I just think he doesn't look healthy. He doesn't have the same pop as the other running back, Jalen Warren. He comes in and he's just uh, – he gets to full speed in like a second or half a second. It's uh, it's night and day really. I just don't think Najee's healthy. And I think he wants to play, wants to play through it, but he might be – uh, playing at like an 80, 70% right now. And that's obviously not going to help anybody. But even so, uh, you know, War- or Jalen Warren only had 24 yards on five carries. So there is obviously, I think it has, it has to come down to schematic at this point because your best receiver or really, the, I mean, your top receiver in George Pickens had 83 yards. Uh, that's a deep, that's not that's not really that great. Uh, it's also not like fantastic, but in the, uh, in the modern NFL where the passing offense is pretty much every offense besides the Titans, you have to have at least one player over a hundred yards, no matter what, even in a game like this, you have to have a player over 100 yards, especially in a passing offense. Where do you see this going for the Steelers? Do you think they make a change uh, within the season, or do you think that they make a change, you know, in the relative after the season potentially with Matt Canada? Yeah, it was really interesting because uh, I listened to Mike Tomlin's press conference after, and uh, they asked him a question like, "Are you looking at changing any starters? Are you only looking at changing any player starters, or are you, or is it a case of you have to look at the coaching staff as well?" And he said that, "Yeah, he's going to do everything to make sure." No, sto- no stone is left unturned were his exact words. And again, he I think at this point, he's coming to a realization that it's not probably only the players that are holding this team back. He has he has to really check everybody. If that's the defensive coordinator, uh, offensive coordinator, offensive play calling, who calls the offense, who calls the defense, if it's him or the actual defensive coordinator, all those stuff like that, I think it's going to be put into question going forward and he's going to look at it. And I if we keep losing games, like if this goes really bad and we don't win, if we don't get another win until after our bye week, I wouldn't be surprised if we make changes because at that point we'd be like one and seven if we don't lose before or if we don't win before the bye week. So if it comes to that, I think he ha- it's going to have to come during the season. I agree with that as well. Your next three games, uh, Buccaneers, uh, Dolphins, and then the Eagles – those are all games 
I think this I don't know if the Steelers will be able to pull that pull them out. That Steelers Dolphins game is on Sunday night football. Uh, I think that's at home. That is not. That's actually away. Uh, your next. So you have the Bucks at home mm-hmm. uh, this coming this coming week. I don't know if this team can do can get if they can win in the next three games at least. I think if they lose to the Bucks and the Dolphins, I would be shocked if they don't fire Matt Canada and they bring in either they promote from within or they try and find someone else that isn't coaching right now. Um, not exactly sure who that might be, but. I'm sure there's probably a ton of options that, you know, Pittsburgh sports writers have already thrown out already. But let's get into a couple other games as well. There are some interesting, interesting results. Uh, Patriots completely blanked the Lions. Uh, I don't know how you feel about the Lions. I still like this team. And I, again, I like the culture. Uh, but that's an embarrassing loss to a team that, you know, the, the Patriots are not the team that we used to know them as, obviously, growing up with Tom Brady and everyone like that. Uh, for the Lions, do you think, again, it's just another rebuilding year at this point? Do you think they're just trying to, again, piece this team together through the draft and trying to find guys through free agency? Yeah, this was a very ugly game for the Lions. Uh, I feel like the Patriots, at least from their defensive from the defensive standpoint, they always have a game like this where they just completely dominate the other team. And like every ball rolls their way, they get every call and they, uh, they just read everything. They read everything Jared Goff was doing and their pass rush was relentless. Got a couple fumbles, returned one, I think, got an interception. And just defensively, like the offense was completely shut down for the Lions. And, and I guess for the Lions... You're going to get games like this. You expect games like this in this rebuilding period. It's not just this season, going back to last season, probably all the years before uh, even Dan Campbell came up. This team is still trying to get its feet under itself and still trying to find who they are offensively. And I'm not sure if Goff is really the guy to bring them forward into uh, contention possibly. But I there, there's going to be games like this. Next week, I wouldn't be surprised if they're in another close one and they end up winning one like, 38 to 30 or something like that. Um, but yeah, you're going to get these games. I'm not really worried. Like you said, I'd agree with you, but yeah, just, uh, just an ugly game to witness for a Lions. For if you're a Lions fan, after so many weeks of being good offensively to throw up a goose egg, it's, uh, it's not the best of not the best way to spend your Sundays for sure. For me personally, I don't know about you. I would keep Dan Campbell. I don't think you, uh, I don't know if you would fire him at this point. Do you keep him around? Because, uh, again, I feel like the culture is there and what they're trying to build is a – I think it ultimately it could turn out to be something good. But we saw a coach that was supposed to be the rebuilding guy, Matt Rule, get fired today. Now, obviously, very different circumstances. Um, do you keep – do you let Dan Campbell – You know, do you let him – you know, wait the pat like wait and see what happens. Give them a couple of years, and you know, I guess stick to the process. Yeah, I think so for sure. He's really the probably one of the only coaches in the league, and or that the Lions have had specifically that you can tell really cares about this team and ha- shows he's not afraid to be himself. Really, he like he'll go into press conferences and say the most outrageous things, but that's just who he is. That's uh that's a guy that people 
will rally behind. I'm sure everybody in that locker room loves him, loves having him around, loves being coached by him. So to take that away, uh, if you're the one of the front office guys, I think will completely uh, destroy this kind of culture that he's building and he's really been the catalyst for. Uh, I, I'm for sure keeping him around as long as I can. Other, The only reason I see him not sticking around is if this thing just goes completely the opposite direction and keeps trending downward. There's just playing ugly games. But I think this is a many-year project for uh, for a guy like Dan Campbell to try and get this team back to contending at least for, for their division. And then anything further than that is just uh, icing on the cake, really. Having just spoken on a rebuilding team, we talked about it. Matt Rule officially fired today after a one and four start for the Panthers. Manny, for you, what was your initial reaction when you saw this news uh, about Rule getting fired? And do you think the Panthers might have jumped the gun a little bit? Yeah, uh, I was a bit surprised. I thought they were going to give him a maybe like one or two more weeks. It wasn't really going. It wasn't really going uh, the way that the Panthers wanted it to. And I think it was just too many, like too many wild parts to this thing, really. It was just like a bunch of pieces just brought together and just like going out there and being like, hey, go and try and win some games with with this team that really has no chemistry, no real culture, really, it seems at this point. Um, other than like his first season where it was pretty, pretty positive, they were like a mid-table, bottom of the half uh, level team. Uh, but defensively, I like the way they play. I still like the way their defense plays. But other than that, it just doesn't seem like you're getting anything out of Matt or anything of, out of Matt Rule to just connect uh, with Baker Mayfield. I know Sam Darnold's still on the team. He's on IR. And then just bringing in the backup again against the 49ers that just completely dominated them. It was never going to be a good look. And, yeah, nobody really expected anything out of the Panthers this year anyway. But. Uh, he was definitely one of the candidates to get fired first. I think we mentioned it before, last week. It was him, um, Nathaniel Hackett, and maybe somebody else. But uh, it was Matt Rule in the end to go. And uh, I, I just keep hearing things about the Panthers completely stripping this thing down and starting from uh, from ground zero. So it uh, that could be the case, and it'll be interesting to see how they play out the rest of this season, knowing that they could be stripping this down. Really, like I said. I don't know if you want to strip it down entirely because there's still good talent on the Carolina team. You know, Christian McCaffrey, I think is like 26, 27, 28 now. Obviously not the guy that we saw three, four years ago, uh, reliability-wise, but he's still a guy that, you know, could be dependent on as a top 15 back. Uh, Brian Burns is a fantastic D-end. Uh Trying to think if there's anyone else on that team. Sandar, I mean, San Darnold and Baker Mayfield, obviously, they're both cast offs uh, from their former teams, but there still is talent there and potential. I don't know if they want to strip it down entirely, but I do think this team is heading towards a uh, potential reckoning. And I don't know how many coaches are going to want to take on an organization like that. Uh, I'd be interested to see, like you said, how this plays out, you know, the rest of this season. But We'll get into a couple other games as well. Seahawks, Saints, another loss for Zach's team, who unfortunately wasn't able to get on here tonight. Uh, two and three for the Seahawks now. You know, at this point, you have to really question. For me personally, I want to see the Saints lose as much as possible uh, since we have their first round pick. But, you know, for the Seahawks, I, 
I want to say that they're doing better, but this is probably Jimmy Smith still had a decent game. It wasn't fantastic, you know. See, a two sixty-eight, three touch, three tutties, no interception. Sorry about that, guys. Technical difficulties with Zoom, unfortunately. But we'll get back to it real quick as I cut out. Uh, yeah, for Geno Smith, it, you know, he still had a decent game. 16 for 25, 268, yeah, 268 yards, three tutties. Uh, Kenneth Walker had a really good game. Uh, Tyler Lockett had a really good game. DK had a really good game. Uh, you know, this is a game where it looked like they could have done really well. But ultimately, it just did not end up going the way that the team wanted. Uh, for you, again, Pete Carroll is getting up there. Do you think at a certain point there has to be, you know, a point of reckoning where this is the line we have to move on from Pete Carroll, which is something I don't think a lot of Seahawks fans want to say at this point? Yeah, I think it's uh, with Pete with Pete Carroll, I think he's one of those guys that um, his if he keeps the the bar at a, like a five hundred, a couple games above or a couple games below, he's a guy that won't really uh go until like he decides to go. I think he's been there so long. I think uh he's kind of earned that with the Seahawks, uh, not to the level of a like Bill Belichick, Mike Tomlin, or like a John Harbaugh, but he's been there for so long and he's kept them somewhat relevant in their glory years with the with the Legion of Boom and Russell Wilson. Now he is in the more uh, difficult part of his tenure with them, trying to find this team's new identity with a new quarterback, new running back, really new everything. It's going to be hard with so many young guys, really inexperienced guys, some guys getting their first opportunity to be a full-time starter like Geno Smith. Uh, there is going to be some games like this, but I think if he could get them, again, like I said, to a 500 level, maintain them there, they'll keep him around because – they don't want to add another question mark to this team that already has so much trying to figure out to fire the coach and get and trying to find another guy with new ideas. Still a young team. I think it's just going to add another problems to a, to a team that doesn't really need it at this point. So I think he should uh, stick around in my opinion. I think I agree with that as well. I think it's just a tough situation again. I think it'll work out with the, in the Russell Wilson trade. I think you're going to get some good quality draft picks from that. And this, upcoming draft class is going to be probably one of the better ones that we've seen in a long time. A lot of fantastic talent. Uh, I don't know about you, but it's weird knowing that guys your same age are finally getting drafted to the NFL. Uh, that was a weird feeling for me when I finally realized that. Um, but yeah, that'll be it's an interesting one to think about. But we'll get into the last one, the Eagles game. I don't know if you watched this. This was a little... A little too close for comfort for me. I dealt with a lot of close calls this weekend. Uh, and the Phillies ending up making the NLDS, which is the stressful situation in itself, uh, also against the Cardinals. This game against the Arizona Cardinals for the Eagles, I think is a good thing. Because, again, it shows you, you had last week, you had to come back from 14 down, come back in that game, and you win against the Jaguars. This game, this is a close one where, you know, you're fighting a team that, you know, the Cardinals aren't the greatest team, but the talent's there. I don't know if the coaching is there, which is the, that's a hot take. Uh, I don't know if, you know, I don't know if, the, you know, we'll get into the Cardinals and what their situation is uh, in, in a couple of seconds. But for you, Manny, do you think this is a game that 
ultimately, even though the Eagles ended up winning it regardless, do you think do you think this is a bad thing that they it was so close? Or do you think it was a good thing for this team to learn how to you know deal with you know stressful situations like this in close games? Yeah, I can't say it was a bad thing. Uh, the fact that they won, I think, a win or lose, I think this would have been a good learning experience. And fortunately for them, they won, kept the kept the record perfect up to this point. But yeah, it just seems like it is getting a little bit closer. I think, it, I think in part it was because when, uh, not that AJ Brown didn't show up, but he wasn't really, he didn't get as many receptions as uh, a number one guy would have. And I think. That's something just to keep an eye on. If I don't know, I didn't watch too much of it, but I don't know if the Cardinals just schemed for it very well to take him out uh, to limit his production. Because I know Devontae Smith had like 10 receptions, like 80, 90 something yards, and he did well. Um, but I guess the Cardinals' plan was to just let everybody else beat them but him because he is a game changer. And if he starts to take over, there's not really much you can do. So they did take him away for a good part and they were in it. And just something's unlucky that they. Missed a kick on a tenured guy like a Justin Tucker, Harrison Bunker, other guys, guys like that will make that kick. Um, they didn't have Matt Prater playing, obviously. It was somebody else kicking that ball to, to send into overtime, but that's stuff you can't plan for. And other than that, they played well. But in terms of the Eagles, I liked, again, that they were tested on the road. Um, last week it was at home against the Jaguars. It was on the road. They had the mental strength and uh, spirit to come back and stay in it, which is good. And uh, I think this just makes them a stronger team going forward and just get some in, uh, get some more experience and stuff they haven't really been exposed to yet. So I, it, it has to be a positive, really, for them to win it in the end and uh, get this experience. Yeah, and I, I think I agree. I agree with that as well. For A.J. Brown, it was that he was – they schemed really well to take him out of the game. Uh, but the problem is you then you forget about Devon, or you forget about Devontae Smith and especially Dallas Goddard, who, in my opinion, is a very, very underrated, criminally underrated tight end in this league. Uh, eight, eight, eight receptions, 95 yards for him. Uh, you know, he had a fantastic game. Hurts had the only two touchdowns of the game for the Eagles. Uh, the other two were field goals by Dicker, the kicker, Cameron Dicker from Texas fantastic name i absolutely love him uh he will be cut though when jake elliott comes back no question about that for me i take it as a positive again you go into a night game next sunday night against the Cowboys. really this sunday night against the cowboys on sunday night football it's gonna be a fantastic atmosphere um we'll get into that preview in just a couple of minutes but i think this is a good thing for the eagles ultimately for the cow for the Cardinals, again, I think it's just a matter of staying 500 at this point because otherwise you risk the potential of a rebuild or, you know, Kyler Murray leaving or you know of current of Kingsbury leaving or JJ you know JJ Watt finally retiring. There's a lot of factors into what can happen with this team. I think as long as you stay 500, maybe in contention for you know a wild card spot, I think that's a good sign for this Cardinals team. But we'll get into. Week six, quickly though, for you, Manny, Raiders up 7 nothing right now over to the Chiefs. What's your score prediction for this one? Uh, well, Raiders are, already have seven. I'm going to say Chiefs come back, I guess, because they're down. Uh, they'll probably take that one. Oh, uh, I'm going to say 
24-17? I'll go a little bit higher. I'll go 28-21 in my prediction for that one. Chiefs end up taking that one. So that'll be an interesting one. We'll be able to report back on that one next Monday. But let's get into week six quickly. Thursday night, Commanders, Bears. Do we even talk about this? You know what? We're not even gonna we're not even gonna talk about it because there is just there is nothing interesting about that game whatsoever. Uh I will not be watching. Uh, because we will actually be at the Baylor football game. Uh, because right. so we Right. You know, it's probably a good thing we aren't going to be watching that game. So we won't talk about it, but we'll get into a couple of games on Sunday, starting with your Steelers. You play the Bucks. You have them at home. This is a game that the Bucks are heavily, heavily favored in. Do you even think the Steelers have a chance here of taking of getting a win here? Um, is there a chance? I think there's a slightly better chance in the bills possibly because i think i don't think you can ask anybody right now and say that the and ask them if are the bucks a top two team in the nfc or just in the whole nfl i don't think anybody could give you a convincing answer just of what we've seen from the bucks they were just uh a bad call away from uh sending that game into overtime or potentially losing against the falcons uh that roughing the passer call there like at the end against Tom Brady, that was a close game. They uh they've been in a lot of close games so far this season. They lost to the Packers in like a very non-convincing offensive showing for them. So their offense doesn't really scare me as much as the Bills. Obviously, big part is Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, and guys like that. They have weapons, no doubt, but I think they haven't looked as dominant as the Bills have. And it's at home, which I guess should give me some more confidence, even though Tom Brady. Playing in Pittsburgh is still pretty pretty comfortable for him. Um, but I think we do have a better chance of winning, uh, if that was the question. But I don't think we get it just because injuries. I don't know what's going to be going on. And I don't know if this team's mental is still there to just bounce back and beat the Bucs all of a sudden. So uh, I still see the Bucs probably taking that one in Pittsburgh. All right. Last game, or excuse me, second to last game for me. Uh We'll talk about Zach's team, Cardinals, Seahawks. This is a battle of two, two and three teams. So interesting. Uh, for you, which team needs to win this game more? That's a good question. Um, probably the Cardinals. Uh, I think because just because there's not that much expectation on them, and even less for the Seahawks. But I think the Cardinals still view themselves as potentially being a playoff team in the NFC. So I think they need it way more than the Seahawks do because I think the Seahawks know at this point that we have a new quarterback, new pieces and everything. We're not really looking to make a deep run in the playoffs. So I think the Cardinals view themselves as that. And I think they need to win this game to get to 500 now with the schedule developing over the uh, the next few weeks. Second to last game for me, this is going to be a great one. Bills, Chiefs, 425. I think this is going to be this will be at she at Kansas City. This is going to be a fantastic game. Again, this is a developing rivalry that we've seen over the last couple of years. Some fantastic regular season games, some fantastic playoff games. Manny, this is probably one of the hardest predictions we'll make all season. In this game between two potential Super Bowl contenders, who takes it? 
that's me. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I think the Bills are just dealing with a lot more injuries right now than the Chiefs. I don't know of any Chiefs player that's really injured, a huge guy that's injured. The Bills are still dealing with Tredavious White, Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer didn't play this week. Tremaine Edmonds didn't play this week. Uh, Dawson Knox didn't play this week. So I think they just have more to deal with, and it's at Kansas City. I'm going to take the Chiefs in that one. So for the Bills, uh, currently looks like today, October 10th. So it looks like Isaiah McKenzie, Jordan Poyer, Dawson Knox, Tremaine Edmonds. Uh, it looks like Xavier Rhodes and Jamison Crowder, I think, are all going to be out for this game against the Chiefs. I'm going to take the Chiefs in this one. Uh, I don't, it does not look like there's anyone relatively good that's out for them. I'm going to take the Chiefs. I think, even though the Bills might be the better team, I think this game being at Kansas City at 425, uh, probably going to be the game of the week. I think that I think Kansas City takes this one. I think they just have again one of the best stadium atmospheres in the country, uh, and certainly a top five one in the NFL for sure. I'm going to take the Chiefs in this one. I think they move to four and one. Uh, I think it's going to be a fantastic game nonetheless, and surely one that will come down to the wire. But the final game we'll talk about is the Sunday night football game between the Eagles, and the Cowboys. I want to get your take on this first before mine, before we wrap this up. For you, this is going to be a great game, nonetheless. I'm really excited to see how this goes. Where do you think this could go? I think this is an Eagles. I think this is not so much on the Cowboys, but I think it's more so with the Eagles, you know, potentially, you know, screwing this up. Where do you foresee that happening on this Eagles team? Um, like, where do I see a mistake possibly happening? Or okay. potentially, um, yeah. Yeah, um, that's, I think, I saw Jason Kelsey go down, and I know my lot of, I don't know if my lot of played this past week. Um, Jason Kelsey should be fine, but I that that uh, Cowboys pass rush will be definitely won that uh, will need to be handled because if not, I think Jalen Hurts will be scrambling a lot and he might lead to some errant decisions from him, throwing into bad coverage, double coverage. You're not just seeing somebody lurking around in the middle of the field and just throwing it up to AJ Brown or something that could lead to some bad news for the Eagles. So if they can handle that pass rush, I'm pretty certain that they'll win this one, especially at home. But if the Cowboys just decide to play man coverage and send six, seven guys at them, it could get a little dicey for Jalen Hurts, and he could struggle in this one. But um, I, I'm still taking the Eagles if that doesn't really happen. They're at home again. Good atmosphere for them. And I think they uh, this will be a good divisional matchup because I don't think the Cowboys are for real, and I think the Eagles are trying to prove them that they're, they're legit. They're the alpha team in that division for sure. I think this is an interesting one for me. I'm going to take the Eagles, but I think it's going to be a lot closer than people think. Pat, or Jordan Mailata and Jake Elliott are are out at the moment. Jason Kelsey and Landon Dickerson both questionable. I'm going to take the Eagles in this one, but it's going to be a close one. Then I think a lot of people think I think it'll be 28-24 with the Eagles pulling that one out on Sunday night football. But 
This has been First and Moose presented by United to the Moose, the student radio station of West Virginia University. I'm Patrick McCabe signing off for me and Mardiega, Manny Mardiega, excuse me. Have a good rest of your night, and we'll talk to you next week to recap week six of the NFL and, re- and preview week seven next next week. Thank you again, and have a good rest of your night.